Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Tech News Today is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Tech News Today for Thursday, March 31st, 2011. Tech News Today is brought to you by GoToMeeting. Business travel can kill your company's profits. To do more, save more, and travel less with GoToMeeting. For your free 30-day trial, visit gotomeeting.com slash technews. Welcome to Tech News Today. I'm Sarah Lane. I'm Maya Zaktar. I'm Jason Howell. And this is I'm show- Denise Howell. Yeah. Hi, Denise Howell. Our guest from This Week in Law, Twit's own legal show. Hello, hello. Great to be here. Good to have you. This, of course, is the show where we we put a lot of tech news into a blender. Uh, add a banana, some blueberries, maybe yeah. for some vitamins. Make it palatable. Mm. You just blend it up. Frozen, frozen fruit. I might add so that it's nice and cold. Exactly, exactly. because yeah. you want your tech news served cold, cold and, and that's what we're hoping to do on the show today. Exactly. <laughs> the will it blend of tech news? <laughs> <laughs> this is wonderful. It's a new show idea because you know we don't have any shows on the tech. Uh, the uh, the the Twit Network already. All right, let's start off with a story. It's actually an update to a story that we reported on yesterday. Apparently, Mohammed Hassan, gentleman, uh, bought a Samsung laptop, and he knew a thing or two about keeping uh, you know your your laptop secure. So he ran some anti malware software and found key logging software. The one in question was called Starlog Starlogger. So we thought, well, that's weird. Took the laptop back, got another laptop, and it had the same problem. Called up Samsung tech support, talked to a few people, finally got on the phone with a supervisor who said, oh, this is something that we do just to monitor what's going on with a laptop, just to make sure everything's okay behind the scenes. Now, I, as Tom and I made fun of you a little bit yesterday because you said, well, you know, maybe this isn't the worst idea in the world if Samsung just wants to keep control of things. Right. It was a devil's advocate position. You were. But it mm-hmm. turns out that uh, that might not be true at all because Samsung is arguing, and based on some research by F-Secure, a security company, that the software that Mr. Hassan was using, Viper, gives a false positive when it finds a slash SL folder in the Windows directory. Now, window, in, in the Windows directory, you could have things for languages like Slovenian, which is actually slash SL. Mm-hmm. So the real thing is, this is a very viable uh, debunking of the of the claim that Viper itself was Viper itself is the problem here. It's actually giving a false positive. So maybe Samsung is not guilty of any of this, and whatever that manager said at Samsung, maybe just want to get off the phone. Yeah. So yesterday we, of course, were speculating. You know, maybe the manager didn't really know what they were talking about and just said. This could be something that could have happened, and Mr. Hassan took that and ran with it. He, of course, has gone on record to say, you know, I don't think it was my software. My malware has never done this to me before, so I don't really think that's the case. But Samsung Tomorrow has a post up on their website with a screen cap of actually what Viper would say um, if you were to create um, an empty SL folder at uh, the particular directory. I mean, sure enough... Starlogger comes up, risk level elevated. It's a commercial key logger is the risk category that it's under. So Even though it's just a folder. Right. Just a folder. Yeah, document. with nothing in yeah. it at all. So that's, I mean, 
It would be much worse to have keylogger software running behind the scenes, but it looks like at this point, Samsung did nothing wrong. We'll it Samsung. was just a case of mistaken identity. Maybe off the hook, hopefully. Yes. Um, turns out that Amazon may be negotiating for cloud player music licensing deals after all, even though they would like us to think that they really don't care. They're just going to circumvent the whole thing and just do things their way. Right. Amazon introduced their cloud player and cloud storage service. You get five gigabytes. You can put your music, your documents, whatever files you want onto Amazon servers. And the thing is, when you want to play your audio, you could just go ahead and use their player. Now, the music companies got really upset about this, saying, hey, you're streaming our music and you're not giving us any licensing fees. Amazon was saying publicly, look, doesn't matter. These are the files of our users. We're not giving, we're not using our files. It's their files, so they should be allowed to do this. But it looks like behind the scenes, Amazon is actually negotiating with these guys because they don't really want any problems. Now, I know, Denise, you were quoted in an Ars technical piece about this whole thing. Uh, what do you know? Well, I don't know anything, but I, I do know that if they're not negotiating, they really should be. Because although their PR people have come out and said some pretty broad things about them not needing licenses to do this, I don't think there's really any legal support to back them up. I mean, certainly it's something that people could argue about, have been arguing about, since way back in the day when Michael Robertson first introduced the mp3.com site, which you guys have been talking about on the show recently. So, you know, not much has changed since then. Uh, people's attitudes sure have changed. I think that... Uh, People look at this and say, well, of course, you know, it's my music. I should be able to store it wherever I want and access it. But the law really hasn't changed. So, you know, Amazon, uh, mp3.com was sued and at the time hit with the biggest copyright damages award that had then been given in history. It was something like $250 million. Of course, they've blown by that number now in other cases. But uh, yeah, the law really hasn't changed. And uh, the technology that Amazon's using here um, seems to be something that is uh, beyond the scope of what its providers have agreed to allow people do, to do with their downloads. So if I were them, I'd be negotiating. I mean, there's definitely talk that Amazon may be, um, you know, if they're really facing lawsuits, may have to scale back and move to more of a model like Sony's Music Unlimited that'll scan your library and say, Hey, you've got some matches with licensee with music that we have licensing deals with. Great. So now you've got 20 songs here in our cloud, which would certainly uh, get them out of the hot seat with um, with the big uh, record labels. But Denise, if they weren't to change anything, I mean, are lawsuits inevitable here? Well, uh, you know, it, it depends what goes on behind the scenes. I think they'll certainly try to avoid them. But mm -hmm. uh if they're not able to reach an agreement, I'd be really surprised if there weren't lawsuits about this. Um, there have been lawsuits about other services who've tried to do this. There was a pretty interesting article in uh, the Wall Street Journal this week that made a sweeping statement that intellectual property lawyers seem to think that a case that was decided uh, recently in favor of Cablevision in the U.S. Supreme Court might protect Amazon here, and that had to do with a cloud-based DVR kind of service. But the way that this is going to operate, it sounds to me, is going to be quite different from that. You know, people are downloading, and then they're re-uploading to S3, and then they're accessing things from other places and other devices, and that's quite different from the way a cable DVR works. So, um, you know, I think that Amazon's in for some legal hot water if they can't 
uh, work something out behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. But unlike those other companies, Amazon's got some deep resources. They can fight. They can actually negotiate. I mean, this isn't like we're going to we the, med, uh, the music industry is going to crush these guys. Right. Amazon can fight back. So this mm-hmm. is going to this is going to be interesting to see how this settles out because this is going to set a precedent. Even if they settle out, you'll figure out. Okay, can we do this? Can we mm-hmm. normally do this? Because I know you can roll your own cloud. You can do your own services yourself. But for Amazon right. to do it, this is going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, let me ask you guys though. Um, when I read this and all the controversy about it this week, I was sort of like, huh, you know, there are cloud-based services out there doing this already. And yeah, they've had legal troubles. But the reason that we haven't really heard about them, I think, is that are they all that interesting? Do people really want to locker their music or do they want to stream their music? You know, Denise, I'm, I'm, I feel the same way you do. I, I totally see the need for this. I think it is extremely convenient if you've got all your music on a laptop you want to dump it to the cloud somewhere and you want to listen to it somewhere else. But I think the future is much more in streaming services where there's there's less emphasis on owning some sort of a file, when, no matter where it is, if it's on your computer, if it's in the cloud, and you're paying more for a service where you have access to all sorts of music with all sorts of record labels that have deals with these companies. Of course, I'm talking about the Spotify's and the RDO's, and, and there are some other companies doing that. And we're just kind of getting started in that space, and I think it's going to take a while for people to change their attitudes about physically owning a song it's like you don't really need to own the file as long as you can listen to it as many times as you want. What's really the difference? Yeah, yeah, it's almost those. like this is a stopgap on the on the way to where you know it's eventually going to end up inevitably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a good streaming service. For all the stream services to work, though, you have to have all those licensing things in, all, in order, and that becomes the problem. I know that's why I have all my stuff, and it's on my own server, and I can mm-hmm. access it anytime I want because this isn't a problem that way. But, yeah, Jason's right. It's going to take a while before this completely settles down. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, cloud services definitely depend on contracts uh, between folks other than ourselves <laughs> to stay good. Uh, moving on to some news from within Apple. Uh, the uh, VP of Worldwide Marketing Communications at Apple, Allison Johnson, is leaving the company. She's been with Apple since 2005 and reported directly to Steve Jobs. Came from HP. Um, she actually managed um, some PR during HP's acquisition of Compaq, which... Could have been a PR disaster. Apparently, a former coworker of hers said she was the prime minister of HP was one of her monikers. Um, now, we don't really know what she's going to be doing, but we do know that she's going to be joining former PR executive Brandy Barker um, from Facebook, who left Facebook uh, in 2010, at a new communications marketing firm who apparently Brandy Barker has already, uh, I, I don't know what their new firm's going to be called, but Brandy has already started working with Groupon and Cora as two main clients. Talk about some good clients as far as you know your client base. If you're going to start out on your own, leaving Facebook and Apple, two powerful women. So do you think people are going to spin this into Apple's losing everybody? Johnny Ives looks like he's going to leave. Steve Jobs is obviously out on medical leave, and now they're losing their marketing communications person. And, you know, Apple's message is very, very strong. Do you think people are going to take this and go, oh, no, Apple's falling apart? I think it would be easy to spin it that way, and I don't know the answer. I do know that the Apple PR machine is like no other company in the history of the universe. I mean, uh, Apple's PR team 
is rock solid. I mean, they can keep secrets. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. 99% of the yeah, time anyway. Somebody doesn't go to a bar. <laughs> Just keep the Apple employees out of the bar and they're good to go. I'm sure Allison was very upset about that story. Uh, they, I mean, Apple is known. They are renowned uh, for um, spinning stories the right way, keeping close tabs on the way that they, uh, the, the, comp- the information that they share with folks, the media, um, controlling the, what the media says and what they know and what they don't know. So, you know, it's hard for me to believe that even a high-level person leaving means that there's not somebody else who is ready to step up to the plate. I mean, it's a team of folks. It's not as if one woman mm-hmm. was running PR from within Apple. That said, it always makes people nervous when a lot of top-level people may be leaving around the same time. Mm-hmm. Denise, you have any thoughts on this one? I just want them to tell me when I can get my iPad too. <laughs> That's the PR you That's want. Their, their current just, PR issue. You just want the actual release date to be like now. Now, did you order your iPad two online, or what's the what's the issue with you with you? Oh, Denise? I didn't actually. I'm I'm uh, outsourcing my purchase. I have a friend who's a pilot and goes to Hawaii a lot, and uh, he says that it's uh, less crowded and more supply possibly in the Honolulu Apple Store. So uh, we're looking to purchase from there. Uh huh. In case anyone was confused, Johnny Ive is staying. By the way, he said he's, he was staying, but there was this huge uh, a slew of rumors saying that he was leaving. So, just to be clear on the news, there's no news with Ive. He's now, may, I mean, averted. Uh, as far as rumors go, is this just one of these things that rumors get started about Johnny Ive is going to leave and he's the designer and oh my gosh, he's the coolest dude because they've just heard that other people are leaving. So it's so the, rumors it's are, the right you know bandwagon to jump on. Uh, Can't always believe the rumors, people. Right. Can't always believe the rumors. Okay, just wanted to take a moment to thank GoToMeeting for sponsoring this episode of Tech News Today. We love GoToMeeting because we don't like the way that meetings can take so much time and effort out of your day. If you're sick and tired of driving or flying to a meeting, oh my gosh, if you're one of those business folks who has to get on a plane three times a week to meet with people in person and all that jet fuel and all that time spent at airports, or if you have a long commute and you really don't need to be coming in. I mean, I have a commute. I've I've got to drive here because this is where we do our shows. But if it was just for a meeting, you better believe I'm not driving all the way up to the Twit Cottage just to have a meeting. You can't get anything done because you're wasting so much time. With GoToMeeting, you can take out all of, all of the bad stuff about meetings and actually make meetings interesting again and fruitful. This is from our friends at Citrix. It pretty much uh, brings you up to the 21st century as far as meetings go. So think about sales presentations, um, product demos, training sessions, collaborating on documents, conference calls. That can all be done remotely. So what you do is you go to gotomeeting.com slash tech news. You can have 30 days free of handling remote meetings. So I as... Neither of us will come to work tomorrow. Okay. We'll Good just idea. both go to go to meeting. Okay. I'll set up a meeting. It takes minutes. Very easy to set up. And we can talk about the show. So we'll do all we can collaborate on our Tech News Today Google document. Uh, remotely, we can we can we can see each other working in real time. All of that good stuff. And if we like it after thirty days, it's only forty nine dollars a month to hold as many meetings as you want. Now we're a small company here, but if you're a big company, you got a hundred employees and they're meeting all. Well, hundred employees is still pretty small as far as companies go, but a lot bigger than we are. You're having meetings left and right. You've got people all over the world with go to meeting. Nobody has to be trying to figure out how to get into one room. You can have remote uh, meetings. It's very easy. We love Citrix, and we thank them very much for 
sponsoring this episode of Tech News Today. Again, go to meeting.com slash tech news. When you do uh, your, your prep from home using GoToMeeting, yeah. uh, are you then going to actually come to the studio to do the show? Because I don't want to. Uh, just... Maybe. You know Tom's know. watching right are you, now. Are you right? going to be there, Jason? I'm, I'm going to be here Understood. regardless. All right, well, you maybe, know, so tomorrow, tomorrow's April Fool's and I hate those, those <laughs> oh, stories, right. you know, the fake stories. So maybe I'll just bow out. Is that cool uh, with everybody? Well, this is a I just kind of go to the beach. Yeah, maybe I'll come in and take this chair. <laughs> okay, huh? good. You can have it. Thank you. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, Google. Uh, more people are complaining about Google, and this time it's Microsoft. Microsoft has complained to the European Union that Google is deliberately restricting growth of Microsoft services. Now, Google has said, listen, we're not surprised. We'll happily explain ourselves. We're not worried about you, Microsoft. You're not the first person to complain. But this is kind of a big deal because... The European Union has the power to impose really pretty big fines, up to 10% of global earnings, as a penalty for anti-competitive practices such as this. Now, the backstory of this is that uh, Microsoft General Counsel Brad Smith has outlined five ways that Google is holding Microsoft back. So they're not just being vague about this. They're being very specific. Number one, they're using technical measures to stop Microsoft's, uh, to stop Microsoft's search engine Bing from indexing content on Google-owned YouTube. Okay. Number two, they're blocking Microsoft smartphones from operating properly within YouTube. Number three, they're controlling access to online copies of -of out-of-copyright books. Number four, they're limiting the ability of businesses to reclaim their own information generated through Google advertising campaigns for use elsewhere. Number five, they're compelling leading websites to only use Google search boxes on their pages. Denise, what do you make of all of this? You know, there was a time where people were accusing Microsoft of the exact same thing. I know, the irony, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, in the search world, you know, Microsoft is the little guy and and Google is the big guy and possibly the anti-competitive big guy. And if you're going to complain about antitrust things, the EU is a darn good place to do it. Much better than complaining to our own Justice Department, although even they came after Microsoft. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, these are concerns and... uh, Google would be well advised to address them, mm-hmm. given its market power. I was a, a company, what was it? They served up search results. Uh, Chow, uh, which is owned by Microsoft, was was uh, had complained to the EU already about Google. So Google's sort of like, okay, we've already opened the box here. Now Microsoft, parent company of Chow, is getting, you know, we, we sort of expected this. You get the sense that Google is sort of ramped up for this day already. Oh, yeah, Microsoft and Google, I mean, they've been going at each other for a long time. And again, with this whole anti-competitive stuff and the, the European Commission, Microsoft's got experience with this. They should know when they see it. They had this whole problem with the Windows Media Player being bundled into Windows, mm-hmm. and people were saying that's anti-competitive because you're playing your media playing software is already built into your operating system. So they had, to, I think, they had to take it out. Uh, it, it just, it just seems like these two guys can fight about this all they want, and we're going to probably see. Actually, I don't know what's going to happen with this. Uh, this just seems like a really interesting story to see what's going to roll out of this. It is interesting that Microsoft is like, hey, you are blocking Bing, and we're confident that Bing would be so much more than it is now if not for Google holding us back. That's you know, that's we, kind of the message that we're getting. Microsoft has partnered up with other companies, so they had exclusive results, like with Facebook, I think. You know, they have their results in their stuff. Exactly. I mean, you would think that Google's allowed to actually say, no, you can't index our stuff. But then again, because Google's so large, and they are like the leader in everything at this point, search and, and video with YouTube, that this could actually look a little anti-competitive. Right, and I mean, if Google is actually blocking Microsoft smartphones from operating properly with YouTube, for example, 
you know, that's, I mean, these are pretty big claims. I mean, this is not a laughing matter. I would be upset, too, if I was working for Microsoft. If any of this turns out to be true, obviously the story is just beginning to unfold. So Google and Microsoft will be squabbling, I think it's safe to say, for some time to come. I as it's interesting you bring up Facebook because obviously they have an issue along this line as well and they've negotiated with Microsoft so that they can access the Facebook material but you know they're sort of holding people over a barrel and saying look you either cut a deal with us or we're not going to give you this stuff for your search and that could be problematic too. Mhm. Moving on now to something very different uh the quick bar dubbed by some the dick bar after Twitter CEO Dick Costolo has been killed. It's been laid to rest today. In fact, in a tweet from the CEO himself, uh, points to official Twitter blog, says, listen, we'll frequently experiment by trying new things, adding new features, and being bold in the product decisions we make. After testing a feature and evaluating its merits, if we learn it doesn't improve the user experience or serve our mission, we'll remove that feature. And that feature was the Quick Bar. Now, for anybody who's like, Quick Bar, Dick Bar, what are you talking about? This was the iPhone official Twitter app only. Not even the iPad app and no other third-party app. It was the iPhone app, uh, which originally uh, the Quick Bar was added to. And it really upset a lot of people because no matter how far you scrolled down your page after loading up your your Twitter stream, the Quick Bar would follow you. And these are, uh, the Quick Bar was full of trending topics. So that's what it was. It's like, that's what content was on this bar. So it's things like, Rebecca Black and, and promoted tweets you know too. your redneck if you know a lot of stuff that yeah and promoted tweets as well right. so it was either stuff that was being forced at you that's an ad that you really don't want to see or trending topics that is a very good chance are not relevant to you and in some cases offensive to some folks trending topics are all over the place as we all know and as Twitter continues to grow topics will continue to not be relevant to everybody so what Twitter did first of all was say okay the quick bar will not follow you as you scroll it'll just stay at the top so it's only when you first uh, refresh the page at the top of the, of the stream on the iPhone app that's where it will lay Turns out that it, it, you know, a lot of people saw it, and Twitter says, "Listen, it was lots of high usage. We had our great numbers, but at the same time, it started to, I think, um, make people think less of Twitter in general." So they said, "This is probably a feature that, while popular, is not making us look good." You know, what's weird was, I mean, I've, I've used I used the Twitter app on iOS, and I didn't care that it was there. It was fixed for a while. I'm like, okay, well, that's there now, and then. It was moving. I'm like, okay, that's fine now. And now it's gone. I mean, it doesn't make a, a difference to me at all. I don't know why people were so angry other than the fact that, yeah, you would see these promoted tweets for stuff that you don't really care about. But if you go to the Twitter site at all, you see that list on the right. It says, you know, promoted tweets and all this other stuff. But I mean, I don't, I don't know. Why this though. I mean, deal. you have got to be a pretty chill dude for that not to have seemed right in your face, especially at the beginning before well, they locked it up at the top. So I mean, many web apps. Or, or, or the ads that are not iAd ads, right? They're already on the bottom, no matter what. So, like, I just kind of tune them out at mm-hmm. this point. Like, you know, like when you see banner ads and web pages, you just don't look at them anymore. You just mentally tune them out. That's exactly what I've done with these. I mean, maybe something would catch my eye. Usually, when it's a celebrity's, na- celebrity's name, I'm like, oh, no, they're dead. So, I would have to click that and then go, oh, they're not. Good. But, I mean, that was the worst thing about it. It was making me think that somebody was dead. Every morning. Well, but I think that that is one of the main problems that people had with the iPhone app is when you go to Twitter.com and you fire up your Twitter feed, yes, those trending topics and promoted tweets are there. They're in a much less in-your-face area of the right-hand rail 
underneath a lot of other things. So when you're actually looking at your feed, you don't see that stuff unless you actually avert your eyes over to the right hand and go and look at the tweets, to, uh, promoted tweets to see if anything jumps out of you. R.I.P. Jackie Chan, who did not die, but aver- apparently that's just this pervasive uh, a rumor that's tomorrow. been going on in, on Twitter all week. Denise, what do you think about this? Did you did the Twitter bar bother you? Are you like Ayaz and you say no big deal? What's your take? Yeah, I have two takeaways from this. Number one, they fixed this thing so fast that I never even saw it. And I use the iPhone app, uh, the Twitter official iPhone app. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the quick response is my first takeaway and listening to users. That's all great. Thank you, Twitter. The other um, thing that was interesting is just the fact that it was there long enough to annoy a whole lot of people, but it never annoyed me. And it told me something about the way I use the official Twitter app, which is I don't use it to read tweets. I use it to get notifications when people DM or at me. Mm. And that that's it. You know, I read my tweets elsewhere in a format where it's nicer. I read them in Flipboard uh, primarily. Um, so... That uh, that was in, informative for me. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, well, then I, again, if you're really mad and you're using the Twitter app, you can just go at Twitter. This sucks, right? You can just do that directly. Well, sucks. and I think that there was a lot right. of that going if on. If you me. put an ad in a communications app, maybe people will actually angrily email you. I mean, I think that you. companies have to be careful about bowing to pressure. I mean, Twitter is not the first company who's introduced or taken away a feature that has really angered their user base. At the same time, if you get enough folks, you know, mocking you or talking about how it's really ruining their experience and you feel like the user base knows what they're talking about and may move elsewhere, a company has to take that stuff seriously. So it's a very, it's a fine, it's a they fine line that they walk. That's a nice thing. I mean, if you actually look at the change log real fast on the iOS thing, first mm-hmm. thing it says, dash, removes quick bar. The second thing is like minor bug fixes. So, I mean, like there was, that's the only reason this update even exists for iOS. It's just to remove this thing. Well, moving now on to some Android news. You know, there's been a lot of talk recently about Google tightening control over Android. Android Android has become too fragmented. They want to kind of get everybody under an umbrella again. Apparently, uh, Business Week says it's heard from a dozen executives working at key companies in the Android ecosystem that Google is actively working to gain control and have final say over customizations in its popular mobile OS. Of course, that's Android. Sources are saying Google's demanding that content partnerships and OS tweaks get the blessing of Andy Rubin. That's the VP of engineering at Google. Partners, of course, can, can, can say no, but they're not going to get into the early access program. And then they're going to, you know, maybe be the last to get honeycomb, for example. And they're going to get behind and folks who are, have good relationship with Google are going to be able to, roll out features that are relevant to the Android user base faster. So what do you think about, I mean, some folks have have always talked about Android being the best mobile OS because of the openness and the fact that it can be customizable and people have so many options. And Google apparently is like, it, it appears anyway that they're like, that's true, but we don't want it to be messy and confusing and have people two Android phones where one is very different experience than the other. What do you, I mean, is this inevitable? I mean, it seems interesting that one of the cool things about the whole Android thing was the customization. So if you had Samsung, they had their own interface. If you had HTC, they had their own interface. You could choose and actually differentiate what was going on with Android there. And because it was so open, everyone adopted it. Like all these manufacturers, they didn't make their own operating system. But now it's two years into the game, or two or three years now, I think, and Google's 
you know, tighten in the reins a little and actually makes a bit of sense to me because you have all these varying UIs and that makes everything slower to actually update. So if Google, Google has a cool uh, update to it, you can't get it all at the same time, which can drive a lot of people crazy. I mean, I know way back in the day where Droid people were very angry that the Incredible got nothing while the Droid itself was getting updated. And the basic problem was that the manufacturers were being slow and the carriers were being slow. I mean, this is the kind of thing that shows that Android is actually pretty mature, I think, that they, have, they actually have to have standards on these things. Denise, I mean, you mentioned you have an iPhone. Uh, some folks say Android's just going to fall the way of the iPhone. It's going to be this closed system. On the flip side, it means that people, uh, they know what kind of experience they're going to have. We all have the same experience on our iPhones. What's your take on this? I think Google's trying to have its cake and eat it too. And there's probably, I'm guessing, a lot of internal controversy on this point at Google because obviously having an open platform is important to a whole lot of people there. But having things be manageable is sort of a business reality. So I I get the feeling there's probably a good deal of tension uh, on that front and that Google's trying to walk a fine line and have both. And, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily possible. I do enjoy the iPhone experience, the iOS experience. And I got to say, it's the most lockdown platform there is. Um, so uh, I don't know. I've, I'm sort of uh, sad that Google has felt it necessary to um, go more in that direction because it would be nice to see that experiment play out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's kind of like, what's their choice, really? Mm-hmm. They, they want the yeah, Android yeah, see that experiment thrive. play out to the demise of themselves, potentially. Yes. <laughs> if they let <laughs> they it continue down that, that road, you know? Uh, yes, this is not a 20% project. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> the idea that Google is uh, insisting that licensees abide by non-fragmentation clauses has upset some folks. Not surprisingly, complaints have apparently been made to the U.S. Department of Justice. There may be allegations about Google holding back Verizon handsets using Bing for search in an effort to give Microsoft a harder time gaining traction. So, boy, those two. Yeah, they're causing problems. (laughs) Everywhere and anywhere. Google also apparently is subject to a bunch of notebook manufacturers being very upset with them because Google wants more standardization in the ARM processors that are going into these notebooks, I guess, which is weird because, I mean, Android's supposed to be a mobile thing and not a notebook thing. But uh, apparently it's all about upgrading. They want to be, Google wants their, uh, they want their operating system to, to be upgradable. And uh, another thing where Google's reaching in, I mean, it's really odd. They're supposed to be super open and they're, they're just doing it again. Yeah, so apparently Googler, uh, Google, Googler, <laughs> Googler, the Goobers, the Googers, uh, Google. uh, rumored to be standardizing ARM processors. So what is that? More consistent implementation of ARM chips, likely to discourage certain kinds of customization beyond basic architecture that would remove upgrading issues. But it also makes the experience, I don't know, I guess some could argue a vanilla one across the board. Again, it goes back to the whole mature thing. If their operating system is mature enough, maybe it should be kind of standardized. But back then, when they first came up with Android, it didn't have to be. I mean, you had all different form factors, all different sizes, all different everything. So uh, it just seems like overreaching right now. Right. I mean, obviously, um, for for a a phone designer to have a, a nice, unique Android experience... That's that they have that going for it, where it's say, hey, we're like no other. We we offer you something that other Android makers um, or Android um, manufacturers won't give you. But it also means there's upgrade delays, as you mentioned, Iaz, or phones. There have been phones in the past that have 
never been upgraded. So it's like you've got this little phone and it's orphaned Stop. and no one's paying any attention to it because it was sort of this sort of spin-off Android experience that that nobody's developing for anymore. All right. Uh, Hollywood Studios are rolling out. <laughs> you guys are going to love this story. Apparently a $30 premium for video on demand for video watched between... It's that, that magic window between mm-hmm. when it leaves the theaters and when you can get it on DVD. DVD, Blu-ray, that kind of thing. Uh, Fox, Sony, Universal, and Warner Brothers are going to offer movies for $30 in this two- to three-day rental window. Okay, so what, oh, this is really, really strange. I mean, movies are on VOD two months after leaving the theater. Now, the reason this whole two-month gap is supposed to be is so the theater owners aren't all upset. They're saying that it will not impact ticket sales at theaters. Mm-hmm. So for 30 bucks. For $30, you get to watch a movie like Unknown mm-hmm. or Just Go With It starring Adam Sandler. And you can watch it at home on DirecTV around next month. I, this is a really – I think it's kind of a weird idea. I mean, why on earth would you not just wait the 30 days for it to come out on DVD and get it on Netflix for way cheaper, like for a buck? I don't understand why well, anybody was so eager to watch this. Yeah. Are they saying that – so they're saying 60 days after it's out of theaters, right. you can then get it in this like premium video on demand. But they're not saying that has to happen X amount of days before it's released on DVD, right? It's just 60 days after the theater. Because sometimes movies take a long time to actually get to DVD. Not, not so much anymore right. these days, but – I mean, are you really only getting 30 days advance on a DVD release? Or are you getting more than that? If it's more, then maybe it's kind of worth it for people with families and small kids like myself. Who don't want to wait for a movie. I mean, I asked and I were talking about this before the show. And Denise, I'm sure you have an opinion as well. Because I guess when you have kids, things are a little bit different. Because going to the theater can be an experience. It's it's. It takes a lot of time. It can be costly. Everybody wants popcorn, that sort of thing. I mean, I look at this and go, $30? That's crazy. I would just go to the theater for every movie. It's like a third of the price. Well, but if you're going to have a party or, or you know, there's a popular movie and it's your kid's birthday or it doesn't have to be kids, I can see where this could be helpful, but $30 seems really steep. Well, you could just you know, solve all this with the whole kid problem by lying. Just saying that the movie does not come out until 30 to 50 days after that release date that you see on TV. It's kind of like a Santa Claus thing. You know, like, <laughs> hey, oh, yeah, that date is for other people, not us, for some reason. And then you can get it on DVD. That's, that's what I'm going to try. I have no idea if that's going to work, but I'll try. The other wrench that kids throw in is that you might not want to bring your kids to the movie right. with you. You know, yeah. there's so many times when I'd love to get out and see a film in the theaters, but I have to wait for it to come out on DVD or one of the on-demand services because it's just impossible to get the coverage needed to make that happen. A good friend of mine knew that I had to go see The Social Network while it was still in the theaters, and she insisted that she watch my child one afternoon so I could go. Um, so for folks who, who really want to see these movies close to their release window, I could see this being well worth it. It's just, it's kind of unfortunate that you then have to wait 60 days after it's out of the theaters because, man, the temptation would so be there if the movie gets out of the theaters maybe 15 days later, you have the ability to do this. That would be a no-brainer. But the closer you get to that DVD release, release window, you're right, Ayaz. It's like, why drop 30 bucks for it when I can rent it for four if I wait 30 days? This is creating like three classes of yeah, people. Yeah, it's, it's very like confusing. The first tier, the cool single guys exactly. can go out, go to the movie theater when it comes out in theaters. And then there's... 
us, the parents, are like, hey, we're going to watch it when it comes out on $30 version. And then there's yeah. like everyone else who watches it on DVD. But this does leave room for like a $60 option 15 days out. Yeah, right. There that's what's coming next. And exactly. that's, I think, yeah. the, the problem with the price. Like a lot of people in the chat room are like, but still, $30, that's a lot of money. The closer you get that to the theatrical release or the, the, the moment that it's out of the theaters, the more you can justify that, especially if you have two, three, four people in your family right. that are going to watch this. Then mm-hmm. it's actually not that much. Yeah. I mean, if you're alone, you're like $30. That's just a crazy movie ticket for yeah. people for $30. Right. And you don't have to buy the $5 popcorn and the $3 Twizzlers or you whatever it is that you like to get at the movie theater. Yeah, It starts to be a little less insulting. Mm-hmm. However, I still think that number is a bit high. I agree. I have real mixed feelings about buying into this strategy because I want windowing to go away. So, you know, to be able mm-hmm. to subsidize yeah, right. it like this... Is, um, You're kind of voting with your dollar at that point. Exactly. Yeah. All right, let's move on. And, ooh, guess what's next? The news fuse. <laughs> Earlier this month, Samsung showed off transparent displays that use ambient light instead of a backlight. While the concept may sound crazy, even crazier is that Samsung is actually mass-producing 22-inch ambient light power LCDs right now no word on pricing or when you can get hands on one yet but i like it that'd be pretty cool i'm excited one of the advantages of windows phone 7 was that the updates would be pushed out by microsoft not be subject to carriers whims sounds great in theory but in practice it doesn't seem to be working out so hot microsoft announced that its latest update to windows phone 7 codenamed nodo will roll out gradually over two weeks at&t is apparently still testing out the update, and its users still don't have access to the news version of Windows Phone. Oh, AT&T and Windows Phone. Can't they just get along? This nobody's nobody's getting along with this Microsoft. This is starting and... to be sad. All right, Time Warner recently launched an iPad app that streamed a number of channels. People were really excited. In fact, they brought down the servers because there was so much demand, and Time Warner was like, oh, my gosh. The number is getting smaller, though, because uh, Viacom and Fox channels were removed today after companies complained about Time Warner streaming their channels without a little kickback to them. It's like, why do you get to do that? We're the networks, and you didn't consult us beforehand, and you can't just do that. So if you want MTV or FX on your iPad and you want to stream through Time Warner, you're probably going to have to find another way to do it. IMs may be for more than just goofing around. A contract dispute revolved around whether IM conversations... Oops, I just lost... What I was reading. <laughs> Sorry, okay. kids. We'll let you start again. <laughs> I bet you can do it even better the if second I time. I am, conversations <laughs> disappear. <laughs> Strangely. Good Londonese. They're like me. Um, so this in this contract dispute, uh, w- there was an issue whether an IM conversation could modify the terms of a written contract, which contained a no oral modifications clause. So the real question is whether IMs count as written communications. Well, according to this court in Florida... IMs can modify contracts. The lesson, whatever you say, IMs can and will be used against you in a court of law. Mm. Uh, warning to users of the Twitter apps, Uber Social and TwitDroid, your DMs may be public. Oh, and no. that's scary. Apparently, if you're sending DMs by typing D and then the username, which is the appropriate syntax on Twitter, to the apps and the DM is over 140 characters, which of course is the limit, then that DM becomes visible publicly, at least the first 140 characters of it. So if you use these apps, check your feed because you might be sharing your phone number. Oof. Also, a fix is coming. 
but Better, still scary. Yeah. Look out for Twitch I have heard this happen to other folks before. Yeah, check your feeds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not to, it's not necessarily a DM fail at all. No. It's an app fail. Apple says we'll see the future of Mac OS X at WWDC in June, but you might be able to get a preview sooner than that. Apple has just released a new build to developers. Apparently, this version of OS X is much more stable, but it's probably not a gold master just yet. All right, it's time for a Google China update. (laughs) I know you're not sick of this yet. This time, China says that three companies that are related to Google decided not to comply with China's tax laws, as in they didn't pay taxes. Google doesn't agree, saying it believes it fully complies with Chinese tax law. It's like they're both just speaking two different languages. There's Google speak, and then there's China speak, and they don't understand each other. I think think Google and China are finding any reason just to... Take each other off at this point. Well, Google will fight with anybody, apparently. There you go. But we'll take you on. Google, all Amazon, comers. let's do it. Okay. While checking on his plane, Air Force Staff Sergeant Ron Walker accidentally dropped his iPhone. Oh, and the plane happened to be 1,000 feet in the air, traveling at 100 mi- 150 miles per hour. <laughs> Amazingly, the iPhone survived the fall without a scratch and works fine. What was it dropped into? A pillow? A I soft, no feathery I- pillow? I would assume it was like a field of, <laughs> like, of wheat or something. I have no idea. What, what's in North Carolina? <laughs> Cotton. Uh, a bale of hay, Maybe. perhaps. I would but think the hay would scratch. Hard to say. Apparently not. Well, iPhones. Dent, at least. Sometimes just it, from the sheer force. It's a magical fall. device. Jobs was right. This is what it took. All right. Uh, in the oh, weird yeah. science category of the day, <laughs> it's a kicker. <laughs> Leonard Nimoy in Transformers Three has joined the film. Hang on. Let, let, let me do this one because okay. I'm super excited about this. Okay. Leonard Nimoy, okay? He's joining Transformers 3 as the voice of Sentinel, Sentinel Prime, who's the predecessor to Optimus Prime. Uh-huh. Here's what's crazy about this. Jason, you're going to love this. Denise, I have no idea what you'll think. But <laughs> he was the voice of Galvatron in the 1986 Transformers animated movie. He was like the bad guy. Now he's like the, 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 the father of the, the good guys. That's, that's awesome, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I, that's pretty cool. Hey, and actually... Didn't Nimoy like retire or something from film too? So this is like well, his Michael Bay can get it to back happen. into it. There you so go. That's kind of cool. But do, yes. you, do you think it will? I mean, you're obviously um, excited that he was once Galvatron yes, and is now going to be the Sentinel. Do you think it would be confusing to anybody who is really, no. you know, the Transformers franchise is near and dear to their heart, and they know all about this? No, I think I think it's actually going to get nerds to show up just because they're like, wait, it's Leonard Nimoy. He was Galvatron, and he's in Star Trek. Denise, I don't know how you feel about the Transformers franchise, but I think across the board, people think that it's going to bring in a lot of money this summer. Are you going to go see it? I think across the board, a little bit of Nimoy goes a long way in a movie and makes it much, much better. And uh, the Star Trek movie that came out a couple summers ago certainly was the better for his presence. So go forth, Leonard. All right, Leonard. Yeah, good to have you. I mean... Everyone likes to see Leonard Nimoy in a movie, right? Or hear him yep. anyway. So That's right. Good on you. Denise, I believe we have to say goodbye to you. You've got other arrangements. You're a busy gal and, and need to go forth and be legal. But uh, I do. I, Ayaz is going to be on This Week in Law with you tomorrow. Isn't that right? Yes, and the universe has presented us with a whole slew of wonderful stories for our April Fool's Day show. Nice. Things that sound like they should be April Fool's jokes, and uh, I'm not sure if they are or not, but we'll talk about it on the show tomorrow. Looking forward to seeing you, Ayaz. Oh, looking forward to be on. Thank you. Denise, uh, right. for anyone who's not familiar with you, uh, where should people find you online besides This Week in Law on the Twit Network? Uh, well, my blog is Bag and Baggage, bagandbaggage.com, and I have one of those nifty about.me pages nice. at about.me slash dhowell, and I'm dhowell on Twitter. 
Awesome. Well, thanks awesome. so much for joining us, Denise. Uh, we really love having you and come back to the show soon. Thank you, thanks. Denise. It was great. All Thank right. Bye-bye. Ayaz, I would like to ask you, now, no pressure, but would you like to take over the calendar? Today? Sure. Okay. Was it the, the ringing of the calendar that convinced you? Right there. Huh? That sound pulled you right into the Thanks, moment. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, yeah, it's the chair, it's the music, let's go. Right. HTC's next thing is expected on April 12th. What is it? No idea. Just saw an invite said next thing is coming. Uh, Xperia Play was supposed to be available tomorrow in the UK. Not going to happen. Expect delays to push it to mid-April. WonderCon begins in San Fran tomorrow. Tom and Sarah will be there Saturday afternoon at 4 Pacific to cover it live. You're such an East Coaster calling it San Fran. San Fran. You well, guys I stick just, out like sore thumbs. I just like got here on Friday. No, it's okay. okay I will, I'm just saying. Is it San Francisco proper? Yes. And it's bar. Yeah. Just don't call it Frisco. People will call you out for saying San Fran and, or and, Frisco. And Frisco is even worse. I'm calling yeah. it right. the Bart. I've heard about the Bart. Let's go. <laughs> You'll learn. Let's, I'm, I'm yeah. working at it. You've lived here for like three days. Three. So you're going to get there. Sprint Premier Loyalty Program gets a new premium tier tomorrow. It's confusing, but if you've been a Sprint Gold member, things aren't changing much. Trenton Computer Festival at College of New Jersey in Ewing starts Saturday, April 2nd. Google's going to kill Gizmo 5, which is like a SIP, almost VoIP kind of thing, on Sunday, April 3rd. And a reminder that today is World Backup Day, so back up your world of data. Oh, I have so much stuff to back up. You should do it. Is that what I'm going to do tonight? I should. Well, if you had nothing planned. There's a whole backup day dedicated to people like me. Exactly. You could be doing it right now. To the cloud, maybe. Yes, to the cloud. Well, good. Um, And a reminder, if you haven't been watching the studios get built... Uh, you can. Dropcam.com slash demo is where you can watch our brick house being built right before your very eyes. It's very exciting. We've got a long way to go, but we've also gotten pretty far already. So mm-hmm. kind of amazing. All right. On to a voicemail. Sean in Baton Rouge on AT&T U-verse limits. Tom and TNT crew. This is Sean in Baton Rouge. I just wanted to let you know that I got my official email from AT&T updating my terms of service for AT&T Internet informing me that I can now only download or stream 13 movies per month. Now, I only got UVerse because I have a number one video podcast called I Am Spirituality and I needed the upload speeds. But Plug. now that AT&T is refusing to deliver the service for which I am paying, it's official. I am now considering a move to Kansas City. Google, here I come. Love the show. You know, I was wondering how long it would take for somebody to say, I'm crossing the border. <laughs> We were talking about this yesterday because it was, I mean, all joking aside, if there's a relatively small distance between okay speeds and really fast speeds, and for people who are (laughs) possibly working from home, uploading large video files and downloading, this stuff is not only convenient, but could be affecting your livelihood. We actually got an email because we talked about this, the whole history of Kansas City from Mike Mathia. I want to make sure I pronounce that right because he has his presentation Yes, Mike Mathia. He's written us before, I believe. Most of my extended family is from the from the Kansas City, Missouri area, and I live nearby. So I know quite a lot about the area, the entire metro area over the Kansas-Missouri border, quote, the greater Kansas City metro area, has about 2 million people in it. But as you mentioned, Kansas City, Kansas only has about 150,000 in it. Oh, my goodness. Kansas City, Kansas formed in 1868 and incorporated in October 1872. The Kansas-Missouri border became the first battlefield in the conflict over slavery and southern secession that led to the American Civil War. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. This, is, this is why the town went from one big town to, two, to a divided two different towns. Missouri wanted to be a part of the South, and Kansas did not, in a nutshell. Now you know, and knowing is half the battle. Go, Joe! Go. Mike, uh, that's really interesting, especially since Kansas City, Kansas is 
a lot smaller. I mean, it's like 15% of the size of Kansas City, Missouri. That's why they should have sided with the union, right? If you decided with the union, this wouldn't have happened. Well, and all the people in Kansas City, Missouri are not going to fit in Kansas City, Kansas, where those speeds are going to go way down, let me tell you. This is very true. All right. Next email from Ton Humsey from Menden, um, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Says, hello, I just wanted to clarify a point that's been tossed around on a couple episodes of TNT. You mentioned mp3tunes.com and how they were sued out of existence. And someone emailed in correcting this. mp3.com is the website that you've been referring to, not mp3tunes.com. You know, and Denise was correcting us earlier in the show without mm-hmm. actually correcting us. She was just saying it right. mp3.com was started back in the late 90s or so and recognized your CDs. The site was sued out of existence, but the founder, Michael Robertson, then went on to found mp3tunes.com. Just wanted to clear up the confusion for anybody who might who might be confused Great job, otherwise. Thank you, Tan. Taken care of forever. MP3 tunes, mp3.com, whatever Tan said, or Tan, that's that's the end of that. Yes. Thank you for setting us straight. Sometimes we don't say the right thing, but we certainly do try. We appreciate the emails, video voicemails. and Absolutely. TNT at twit.tv is our email address. 260-TNT-SHOW is how you call and leave us a voice message. Ayaz, Jason... Denise, I think we did okay in Tom's absence. He'll be back tomorrow, by the way. Tom, enjoy opening day, and we'll see you tomorrow for another episode of TNT. Bye, everybody. Woo!